grab a beer. We'll put college football in your ear. Let's rock and roll. I got mine. Welcome back, Big Ten backers. Here we go for another week. This offseason was going to get slow, but news keeps happening. We're going to start bringing some season reviews starting today. But first, hit those likes, hit those shares, hit us up in the comments, follow us on every social media that you got. Come on in, bro. Join us. We got some topics today. First, we got to start off with that ESPN college football playoff agreement. It was going through 2026, but ending after that season. What the fuck, Fox, man? That's all I got to say is I thought Fox was going to jump in on this shit. Their current deal, like I said, runs out in 2026, but now it's been extended another six years with ESP, with ESPN exclusively. $7.8 billion. And Fox wants no part of the 11 best games of the college football season for the next eight years. And to me, this is just asinine. Why wouldn't you want part of it? Fox, it looks like they just laid down and took it from their rivals at ESPN. Now, they do have a opportunity to buy games from ESPN, but that makes no damn sense to me. I know AJ's got some opinions on this too, but man... I just want to see Fox get a piece of the pie, see how it, you know, the back and forth, how the di- games differ. The biggest games of the year are all going to go to ESPN. They have all the control. And like I said, there's a rivalry there. Fox, ESPN, the biggest rivals, the two biggest conferences. ESPN basically owns the SEC. Fox basically owns the Big Ten. And the Big Ten's losing on that front, man. We need Fox to hold it, man. We what do, you got, man. AJ? We do. Like you said, man, Fox lost. They lost big time. There's still some chances they can get on some of these games, and I think that's important. ESPN has a right to subcontract these out. There's a new streaming service coming out, and Fox and ESPN's teaming up uh, to do that. So I think that's going to be kind of a key venture is Fox and ESPN going to team up and let them get some of these playoff games. And I want it, man. Come on, Gus Johnson. Gus yeah, Johnson. Yeah, come on. That, man. They're the, some of the two best in the business. I want to see them talk actual playoff games during a game, man, not just after the game. I think that would be amazing. Seven point eight billion dollars. Yeah, you bought barbecue ribs and you didn't invite me. Well, that's basically what ESPN did. They bought all the Gus good Johnson, stuff. Man, love Gus Johnson. He brings man. that energy, man. This is a six-year deal, though. This is going to last for sure. Twenty thirty-three. So, man, big deal, big time for ESPN. You know it was ESPN coming. just pulled up in a Lambo. I think this should have and, been over multiple platforms, though. That's where I'm disappointed. Absolutely. Been, come on. Like, you know, ESPN isn't the only one that does college football. They do it well. I'm not going to trash talk ESPN. A lot of Big Ten fans hate ESPN. Uh, they call them SECPN, but it is what it is. I like them. I still like college football game day. But oh, absolutely. Man, Big Noon kickoff is awesome. Gus Johnson, Joel Klatt. Joel Klatt, man, he's one of my favorite people to talk football. Absolutely enjoy him. And even on his podcast, before he was talking about the playoff expansion, he was saying how it needs to be figured in to have multiple platforms, not just one exclusive right to ESPN. I mean, he didn't come out and say ESPN like that, but he was talking about it. You would think that Fox would at least put in a bid that would give them some amount of games, even if it was just first round games, you know? Yeah, I mean, he's waving his flag like he's representing his company, but I actually think he actually feels that way too. I don't think he's being dishonest. Like if it was all Fox, I still think he would think that. Would he say it? I don't know. 
Uh, but he's still one of the best in the business as far as talking football. It's definitely disappointing. Uh, but we got some, we got a special show for you guys, man. We're gonna hit a couple comments and then we're gonna bring in our man, Mike Germany's from College Football Dogs. He's a writer. We're part of the College Football Dogs Media Network, and we got to get these writers some love, man. He does a lot of great articles on the Big Ten. He's a Michigan fan. Uh, Buckeye fans out there, get ready because he's gonna bring some heat. Actually, he said he's not gonna bring the heat, but because he already knows where it's been settled on the field. But let's hit some comics, man. We got George. George said, Big Ten backers. What up, George? George, oh, yeah, George. Podcast, man. If y'all need some SEC love, uh, they talk everything, though. It's not just the SEC. They talk NFL. They talk it all. Go check them. Go, those guys out. What's up, Dominic, man? How we doing? We're doing good, man. We're doing good tonight. How you doing? What's up, brother? And then Getting TJ, everyone man, TJ man, another guy from the College Football Dogs Network, man. TJ, he's a man. He does TJ's everything. always here. TJ's the man. He is. Let's let's switch it up, man. Let's get uh, let's get Mike on here, gentlemen. What's ready? going on today? What's going on, gentlemen? What's going oh, on? Oh, look man? at that! Talk stuff a little bit. <laughs> Welcome in. Oh, we got the got the maize and blue right here, baby. National champions. It was a good year, a roller coaster of a year, but a good year. It was, uh, man, I don't even know if it was a roller coaster. You guys kind of steamrolled, at least on defense, the entire season. I don't think you really felt any heat until you got to maybe Maryland. Maryland brought a little bit of heat. We'll kind of get into some of these special moments. But uh, tell us I think he meant emotional roller coaster. It was an emotional roller coaster. Steve hit it right on the nail. I don't think you can have that many up and downs in one year. For sure. Absolutely not. So tell us what you do, man. Tell us where to find your articles. Tell me who you write for. Right now, I'm writing for uh, College Football Dogs. You can find the articles on their website, Twitter, Facebook. You can check me out on uh, Twitter, right under my name. And uh, that's about it. Just doing that right now and enjoying the college football dog world. So what Great do you guys. write about, Mike? Uh, I've been writing about Michigan. I got a big Ohio State story coming out in the next few days uh, for their uh, offseason and how excellent it's been. <laughs> Just trying to switch it up a little bit, and not just focus on Michigan. And yeah. uh, and you said you said before you're not going to talk crap because of uh, how the off season's been for Ohio State. Yes, yes, it's been a good off season. Uh, Ohio State's Britain is making a ring like a rapper at a strip bar with a money cannon. That's right, <laughs> make it rain. <laughs> so I got I got to give him credit though. If you got it, spend it. Hey, That's man, right. They're definitely spending some money. I was a little shocked at, at some of the dollar bills they're throwing out. But let's talk about the season that was, man. Michigan, your national football champions. I want to talk about some of the best moments that we saw from Michigan this year. And I want you to lead it, man. You're the Michigan man on the show tonight. Talk about some of your favorite moments of the season. Well, let's hey, before off. Okay, go Before ahead. you get there, I want to ask you a question. Coming into the season, what were you expecting? Like, what kind of year were you thinking? Were you thinking national title? I actually wrote an article that it should be national title or bust before the season started. Nice. But I did have him losing to Maryland before Ohio State. I figured pure trap game. Oh, that was game true. Yeah. Yeah, Beef said Maryland was going to catch one of the big three, and, and the only one they really got close to was Michigan. But, man, they still went on a hell of a run. But talk yeah. about those moments, man. As a Michigan fan, like what what's some of your favorite moments throughout the season? Well, I'm gonna go with uh let's go with the Penn State game first. 
when you yeah. run the ball 32 straight times, your coach gets suspended 24 hours before that. That was a great moment in the game. Kenneth Grant, what 322 pounds running down a uh, running back for Penn State, mm-hmm. stopping him from running a 75 yard touchdown. So that get that game first. Ohio State definitely was a game to remember. I, uh, you have the Roman Wilson catch where Burke was, you know, a little bit too late getting the ball out. So it was a touchdown. Sorry, Ohio State fans. That <laughs> yeah. was, uh, that's our, that's RJT with short moment. So that's a little <laughs> payback right there. That's for a good you guys. point. All right. I, was, I, was right there for I was there with Beave at the stadium when that catch went down, man. He was praying for a fumble. That oh, was, yeah, <laughs> for sure. And then, you know, you got to go right to the Alabama game. The Roman Wilson catch with being down seven where it was tipped at the line of scrimmage. And he kind of just stood there in the air, caught it, made a move, and took it to the five. And then they went on and tied it. The Donovan Edwards, two uh, runs in the first quarter. Welcome back, Donovan. Nowhere yeah. to be found all season. Tough Good season on, for the... Man. Tough season for the young man, and then all of a sudden... AJ called that. AJ called that on our preview of the game. He was like, man, where's Donovan Edwards be? He could, he's my dark horse to light it up. And well, it happened. He lit up a 41 and a 46-yard uh, TD. It was all in all, like, there's a lot of memories you can go back. Even, it sucks, but even Connor Stallions, like... Yeah. I think him uh, at the Rose Bowl with the picture, man, that was just uh, that was epic in itself, man. <laughs> that and then it was what was it on Twitter? Him outside the horseshoe with mm. the rose. Oh and yeah, stuff? I was like, uh-huh. that's 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 a hard troll. That's a hard <laughs> yeah. troll. I give him, you got to give him credit. That's now I wonder if he's gonna go to the game in Columbus next year. You, and if he did, do you think he would survive? Oh no, there's no way. And if Michigan wins, I don't think a Michigan fan is going to survive getting out of that place. <laughs> Neither will Ryan Day, for that matter. Yeah. Oh no, Ryan if, Day won't survive. If Michigan wins, you got to get a, you're going to have to airlift Ryan Day out of the whole state of Columbus. Oh, I mean, yeah. out of this a whole state of Ohio. Like you can't keep him in that state. He's going to need a presidential detail for sure. Yeah, but 800 deep. <laughs> right, I'm going to talk about some of my favorite moments. To me, it starts with JJ, man. JJ McCarthy at the end of the TCU game. And even the Georgia game the year prior to that, coming out and watching them celebrate, that put his mind like, yo, like this is enough, man. I'm done with losing. I'm done with like watching other teams celebrate. I want to be the man. I want to be the one who helps take my team to a national title. I think it starts there, man. That That's where it is. And then we'll talk about the Maryland game. We talked about the one game that they probably struggled in the Big Ten outside of Ohio State. And I wouldn't say they struggled. They, they pretty much maintained control of that game. But when Maryland – Freaking Mike Sanderstill, man. That interception on Tolua when they were on the goal line. I mean, the game was pretty, probably pretty much in wraps, but that was ice, man. He just put them on ice, ended that game. That was a, like a great moment for Michigan. And to me, Sharon Moore, man, he's leading Michigan into Happy Valley. Mm-hmm. Like Happy Valley is not an easy place to play. That is one of the most hostile places you can play. He just found out hours before the game that Jim Harbaugh is going to be suspended and he's going to be the head coach. And he leads them to a win over Penn state. I mean, that was a moment, man, a moment for sure. I mean, that fourth was- to three, second quarter, fourth and one JJ runs up the middle, man. And, and not only gets 
the first down, he runs for like 30 yards. They put an eight-point lead. And then guess what, man? My man, Blake Corum, puts it on ice with four minutes left with that great touchdown run that he had. That was another moment for me. But, B, hit me with one of your moments, and I'll keep on going. I don't want to take up the mic the whole time. I mean, I had four, and it started right where you said. The coach was suspended 24 hours before on the plane ride, basically, getting into um, Happy Valley. And Harbaugh's like, you're not with the team. All right, step it up. They get their offensive coordinator, O-line coach. Man, and what does he do? He has to make this crazy decision not to throw a pass in the second half. Comes out, wins his game, just pounding it down the throats of that. One of the best defenses in the country. Run under Manny Diaz. I don't know how it happened. I would never have thought in a million years they don't throw a pass in the second half. Blake Corum ends the game with a bloody nose. You had uh, Coach crying on the sidelines, man. Just be like, I want Harbaugh back. He's my man. Now he's the man, you know, and Harbaugh's off doing bigger and better things in the NFL. But then next, beating Ohio State at home. Again, interim coach, Sharon Moore. Sharon Moore. And and closing the game down with like eight minutes left, they run it all the way down the field and force Honda McCord into a pressure situation where they almost sack him. He throws up an errant ball and gets picked off to close out the game. Man, those D tackles, man. They own a yeah. lot of scrimmage on that. Putting line. pressure I mean, everywhere. I mean, pressure up the middle is is just the end all be all for quarterbacks. That's never a good thing to do. But we're gonna talk about the game, man. Three in a row. Storm fielding. We stormed the field at the big house. That was a magical moment. Uh just yes, being I mean, there and kind of seeing and, and talking to the so fans. fucking magical. Will so Johnson magical. though jumping the route <laughs> early in the game. Like, damn, man. Damn. And then Travian Henderson getting freaking destroyed. Destroyed by Shane Strill, man. Like he lit him up. I, like that hit. We were on the fifty yard line. That hit, mm-hmm. you could hear it all the way across the field, up the big house, and, and the big house is the call. The big house for a reason. You still heard that hit. That Jim Harbaugh, man. Jim Harbaugh moving Mike Samuel from wide receiver to the secondary was probably one of his best moves at Michigan. Yeah, that oh, dude was sure. a ball hawk this year, man. Six That's, six picks on the year. He's he's a machine. And he likes to get down and dirty, too. And that's what I liked about him. He has no problem hitting it up with anybody. Yeah. Come come up and make the play. He'll come up and lay a beating on somebody. And let's talk about that. So you guys lose your best offensive lineman. It's a close game. And what happens? What happens the next play? First play, baby. First Blake Corum to the house. Blake Corum to the house. What was it? Twenty-two yards. On yeah, the first twenty-two and 10? yards to the house, man. Like that moment right there. You just lose your best big man. Uh, he's the been crowd, a legend in Michigan himself. And, the and crowd's it's a chanting. Moment. You could hear the fans talking about it. We were in the stadium. It was, you know, there was kind of a somber moment between the fans. The stadium's kind of quiet. You could hear people whispering and like, "No, not him." And then Blake Corum just says, "I got you, man. I got you to the house." I'm taking this game. That was a magical moment, man. Like the crowd chanting, let's go, Zach. Then all of a sudden, everybody knows you're going to run it. In very first play, he takes it to the corner of the end zone. Man, like watching yeah. that live at the stadium, was it was a magical moment. Like that one, will, the, that one's definitely going to stick with me. And then, man, the rest, you know, Iowa, we're not going to talk about Iowa. That was just a pure bloody beatdown that I think everybody saw coming. Bama, man. Bama. Bama. <laughs> they drew the GOAT. And get Bama. 
that's almost better than winning the national title was beating that goat, the SEC king, the people that have been ruling college football for years. I mean, it was almost a century, right? Jeez. And it's Harbaugh's first playoff win ever was against Saban. That's got to feel good to beat a team like Bama. And I think really almost better than winning that national title against Washington. Just getting that off your back and knowing that you belong, that you're the team, that you're the real deal, and knocking off Bama, man. And the fact that everybody was taking Bama. All the money oh, was on for Bama. Sure. All the bets were yeah. on Bama. Except Vegas. That line never moved. Stayed at what? <laughs> one and a half? Yep. Mm-hmm. It just never moved. And it kind of reminded me of Ohio State playing Bama where it was like everybody was on Bama and then Ohio yep. State comes out and, and wins the game at the end. Very, very kind of similar outcome. Uh, this game was definitely a little bit closer uh, than that game was. But, man, to me in that game, you got to talk about J.J. McCarthy. Man, that freaking one-headed catch, spin, throw. Oh, to yeah, Roman. I forgot about that. Yeah. Oh, man. That highlight. Athlete. Man. Athlete, man. Blake, Blake Quorum in overtime. Was that mm-hmm. 20, 25 yards or 24 oh, yeah. yards? It's, it wasn't fancy. It was just hard determination. I remember that call, man. I, uh, I got it in my head. All that yeah. jump cut, though. That jump cut was like three mm. lateral yards at least. I mean, he just stopped on a dime, jumped all the way to the left, and, and then he, took it to the house. And he, and, and in the process, he ran by downs, which was nice to see. Yeah. The, the, new, the new Buckeye. Yeah. And then Quentin Johnson, man. That fumble he forces on Milrow. It looks like Alabama's kind of got control of the game. Looks like they're about to drive mm-hmm. down the field, maybe extend the lead. And then that fumble he caused, man, that was a huge moment. And then you can't talk about that game without talking about Graham and Grant. Man, those defensive tackles were just lighting up, absolutely lighting up Alabama's front. I mean, Milrow was just getting – I feel like he was getting sacked every third play. Like, you can't – you got to talk about the defensive tackles. You got to talk about the defensive ends. They were given – Un, they're like they were just unhuman in that game. What they, they have hitting it five five sacks in the first half, and then mm-hmm. one or two in the second. Yeah, I think Alabama gave up more sacks in that game than they did at the entire season. It's like, almost it was, like the the pressure from that defensive line caused that center to snap the ball bad or something. Well, yeah, when and then of course a, Ohio State's like, let's pick him up. He can't snap the ball, but we'll take him. When you got a 330-pound man standing in front of you that can run down a running back, I'd, I'd be a little bit, I'd be a little bit scared to snap the ball. Let's get this ball out quick. I yeah, let's not snapped. let's not say it was him. It was those defensive tackles, man. I would I would have handed him the ball. Here you go. Just, just just start running with it. Just start. Running Take with it. Leave it. me alone. <laughs> yeah. And right, then the- like, talk to me about the national championship game, man. Like. It wasn't as entertaining as the Alabama game, but it was actually a little bit closer than I think some people remember. Michigan really kind of put it on in the fourth quarter, but it was a mm-hmm. seven-point game at halftime. So talk to me about it, this game. What's going through your mind? It, what are you it's, stressing it's, about? Before the game, I'm like, how are we going to stop these big plays? Michael mm-hmm. Penix, all you're hearing about all week is the Washington offense, Washington offense. Then I was thinking about them, like, no one's ever talking about the two elite play- people Michigan had. Minter and Sharon Moore. And they both did an excellent job. Minter in calling the game. They only rushed four. They had guys back. They kept guys in front of them. They didn't give up the big play. When they busted the two big runs where Donovan Andrews pretty much went untouched. Mm-hmm. I had the good feeling. And then here comes Washington. It starts becoming a game. 
And then Michael Penix overthrew uh, Odunze. Mm-hmm. I remember Which that play. If he hits that, that game changes completely. Yeah, it was like on a fourth and ten or something, or fourth and fifteen, something like that. After that, it went to an interception, right? Uh, I believe so. Yeah, and then and then all of a sudden, Michigan comes back, and like you said, it was closer than everybody thought. The third quarter, I was like, "Come on, just get this thing over with. Just punch a couple more. Give me two more touchdowns, and I can go home and start nursing this hangover." Did Blake Corum hear you? Did he, did he hear you? Because he's like, I got you, man. I got you, Mike. Then he, yeah, and then he went off. And then the biggest interception of the year for Mikey Sanderson. Seeing him oh, get man. that and then take it all the way down to the five. Like 81 yard return. Not only that, 81 yard return. I, I was alive for 97. So it's been a long time since I got to watch that again. <laughs> To me, man, that Joe Moore O-line, everybody talked about them being the Joe Moore winner. They, Dominated. They they finally unseat Michigan for the Joe Moore offensive line, and they get destroyed by Graham and Grant. Like, Penix has never looked uncomfortable his entire career at Washington, and he – I mean, not he. Those guys just made him uncomfortable all night. Like, he well, was never in rhythm. Obviously, Two interceptions, overthrowing the ball, some people, got sacked. Had some plays, but he was not – the typical Michael Penix that we're no. used to seeing. Grant and Graham, man. Woo! Those guys were just two freaking engine trains up the middle, and and Michael didn't know what to do with it, man. Well, that was the big- Joe Moore offensive line. Like, this wasn't an average offensive line. It wasn't a good offensive line. It was toted as the best offensive line in college football, and Michigan's defensive line made them look like garbage. It's the biggest thing with these Pac-12 teams coming to the Big Ten. Like, in the Big Ten, you play defense. And you're gonna get beat up like that every game. You got to be deep. You got to be able to play like that. Like these aren't these guys like to get hit. They like to smash. They like to tackle. Washington. Yeah, wasn't and I ready think for that, that this was particularly particularly a year where the Big Ten had great defenses all around. I mean, everywhere there was the whole west side of the conference didn't have an offense. They just had defense, and that was it. And that's what got them through. And Washington just had that offense. They didn't have quite enough defense to handle it, and they haven't been smacked in the mouth like that. It'll be interesting to see what uh, a team like Oregon does next year because they're going to be stacked. They had a good defense. They have a good offense. We'll see You know how they handle some of the best defenses in the nation. Yeah. I mean, there's some I, great plays like Loveland down the middle. Uh, I mean, the man from Idaho was out there doing work, man. Who goes and recruits great tight ends from Idaho? Michigan does. That's who, man. And then, like you said, man, Mike Sandstill, he has been an absolute ball hawk game changer throughout the entire season. What do you have, 246 return yards on the season as a interception return yards, 246. Like, come on, man. Even even Roman Wilson, he doesn't get the credit. And then he what he had the he went to the senior bowl and oh, all he yeah. did was shoot up the the stock. Like people Absolutely. didn't realize how how good he is, how fast he is. Yeah, and his catch fire. radius for someone who's 5'11 was like a 6'4 person down there at the Senior Bowl, man. He was catching balls. That he had no business catching at his height. Like that catch he made in the Alabama game where he kind of just skied and just waited there and grabbed it with the two guys sitting behind them when mm-hmm. Michigan was down seven. Oh, yeah. Like I was watching that, and the first thing that popped in my head was 97 Charles Woodson interception against Michigan State when you were like, how did he oh, get to yeah. that? Like, how came out of nowhere? That? Like, that's going to be a play ten years from now. I'm going to be showing my kids. I'm like, I watched this. <laughs> that was awesome. I, 
I was watching this live, mm-hmm. man. Like that's going to be one of those where it's going to be on the highlight video 10 years from now. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's just a great year. I never, I, I wanted it. I thought it was going to get derailed right around that Michigan state game when news broke, but they just kept going. Uh, I'll give the, you got to give them credit for everything that was being said and stuff to stay focused and play in all these games. Like the coaches did a hell of a job keeping this team focused on just football. No, I agree. They had their head for sure. That was some amazing coaching there. Just keeping everybody's head focused or eyes focused eyes on the target, man. Like they, they just stayed focused the whole time, but let's move on, man. Let's talk about some of the most impactful players for Michigan. I know we probably are going to talk about the same players again, because those guys had an amazing season. Uh, I'll start off, man. To me, starts at the defensive tackles, Mason and Mason Graham, man, like, come on, huge, huge impact, pun intended. That man is large. And then you add in Jenkins and Grant, like, wow. Those defensive tackles, man, even when they brought in the third defensive tackle, he was still out there doing work. They were the foundation, absolute foundation of this team. Yeah, you got to give credit. Junior Colson, Michael Barrett, linebackers, like they were making plays all over the field. Michael Barrett, three sacks this year. What do you have? 65 total tackles. Junior Colson, 95 total tackles, 44 for were solo. Like flying all over the field. The The defense was was just outstanding this year. Will Johnson, sure. Mike Sanistel, like Sanistel, I think Steve, you already said six interceptions. Six. Yeah. And I six think interception. But one or two back to the house, like 232 receiving or return yards on interceptions. Interception return yards. Like, even to even keep track of that, it's ridiculous. Like, yeah, like the year these guys had. And then on offense, it's, it's the same names, right? We're going to say J.J. McCarthy, Blake Corum, uh, Roman Wilson, the offensive line, yeah. making it, giving these guys room to do. Like, Blake Corum was deadly. If, if Michigan was in the Touchdown 10, machine. 27 touchdowns, 1,245 yards on the season. Blake Corum was the man. I mean. Was. And they don't turn it over. They didn't turn it over this year. Mm-hmm. Besides the odd, like J.J. McCarthy, four interceptions to 22 uh, passing TDs, I'll take that. No problem. Oh, absolutely. And like you said, Roman Wilson, right? Like he didn't get a lot of receptions, didn't have a lot of yards, but this dude was the man every time you needed it. And then Loveland, man, like that dude was a monster oh, tight end. They didn't throw the ball over the field. They didn't have to. They had freaking Blake Corum. They had Donovan mm-hmm. Edwards, the Don, sitting back there. But let's talk about Blake Corum because he is the man on the offense uh, for me. I like J.J. McCarthy. Like, how can you not like Blake Cora, man? He is a monster on the field. And as good as he on the field, he's even a better human off the field, man. Like, when he's not uh, he's not playing football, he's out handing out turkeys uh, in Detroit. He's trying to make sure families are taken care of. He's spending his NIL money on other people. This guy, is a his work ethic is unseen. You don't see this kind of work ethic, man. Even a workhorse is saying, like, shit, man, can we get a water break? Like, this yeah. dude – was Especially coming back, coming back from the injury he had the year before too, and to have mm-hmm. the year he had was was nice to see. Definitely nice to see a young man like that because you don't see too many people like that anymore that no. are that are good on the field and great off like holding toy drives to get to collect as many toys and ten thousand, twelve thousand people show up. Like yeah, yeah. you got to respect him. You got to respect him as a man, as a player. 
as off the field at, you know, promoting just goodness everywhere. Yeah. They don't make men like this no more, man. Like they just don't like they're, they're few and far between. You talk about a man's man. That's a man's man. Yeah. And yeah. And he, he can pound the rock when he needs to. Yeah. He's, he's everything, man. Like you can't find, you can't find an Achilles heel auto, man. Like this dude is off the field, dominant on the field, dominant leadership, dominant. Like he's just dominance, man. Yeah, Glad like he's we, gone. Glad he's gone. <laughs> well, well, we got lucky how many guys came back from the year before that could have went to the NFL, right? And yeah, now, 18 sure. people invited to the Combine, which is a record. Uh, 44 seniors mm. on that team. This team was a, a veteran team, abs- absolutely for sure. And then you have leaders like Blake Corum and J.J. McCarthy to go with it. Come on now. Yeah, I like Michael Barrett, Junior Colson, Jenkins. Like the, the, the team just had players everywhere. And the thing about that was they played as a team. I mean, they didn't have a flashy offense, but they had guys that could have stood out on other teams if they went somewhere and just were about me, me, me. They played as a team. They won as a team. Their defense was gang tacklers. They were always after the ball. I mean, it was just the ultimate team. And you could see that it started in the locker room and it was passed down from Jim Harbaugh. And obviously their strength and conditioning coordinator had a part to play in it. And and we'll see what happens next year. But it was impressive just the way they played together. They got through all the emotional lows and highs that they had on the year and came out and won it all. It, it was amazing to see, really. As like, much as I didn't like to see it, I have to give them credit. All right, Beef. So I got a question for you. Is there an asterisk on this national championship? You know... In my opinion, it's not really on this year. It's on the, it made more of a difference the two years prior. So when you're building a team, if you have the leg up there, you can get more, uh, I guess you get more people involved. You can get more wins. You can build on that. You can build on the momentum. So I think it made a difference in the two years prior. They were a good enough team. They were going to win any, anyway this year. And Mike, what do you got to say to these, uh, fans that, that try to claim that this was, uh, untitled titled season it's nothing but buckeye tears baby buckeye tears and i love every single one of them it's not gonna get vacated now they might vacate some wins but they're not taking that national championship away Uh, yeah you'll never be parched again on buckeye tears man the last three years of of dominance anyway and my brother-in-law and my wife are a buckeye so it's been great charm and soft (laughs) the official sponsor of ryan day I heard uh, Brutus entered the uh, transfer portal and the Sherman Bears coming in as the replacement. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty good. It's been a little soft, man. Honestly, this year, they were less soft than the last two years. I mean, they hung with the national champion. Really, they were right there to down six, end of the game at their house. And it came down to a pick, man. They just, that one extra play, really. If he Uh, had two more seconds, he probably hits Marvin Harrison Jr. Yeah. But Michigan got to him just in time. It didn't help you had two offensive linemen laying on the ground. Oh, yeah. That, that, that uh, rush up the middle. Well, they there. got blown up. Yeah, like staring at the sky as, as he's about to throw the ball. And it, so it's I don't really blame the quarterback on that, but he had Harrison. No, like Harrison not on was that there. If he had an extra yeah. one or two seconds, none of this happens. And I, you can kind of say that was the year, like if one thing didn't happen, this wouldn't have happened. Or if this didn't happen, like Michigan had the luck this year when they needed it. 
And that's football, man. Like it's, and you make your own luck, right? It wasn't luck. Like it wasn't just like a a weird tip ball or a, a, you know, a punt bouncing off the heel of a player. Like it was a play by the defensive line line. made that play happen. So yes, there was some luck involved, but the defense also made that luck. uh, Yeah. Yeah. I didn't mean like lucky, like you're like, Oh, like it bounced off the guy's face mask and you won a national championship. Yeah. Like they just happen to have the right guy at the right moment, the right play call to make the play they needed in the biggest moments. Yeah, and that's because they knew what the play was. Connor Stallions, no. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe six weeks before that, but I'm, I'm pretty sure you guys, if you guys can't figure out how to change uh, the three boards of uh, Captain Crunch, Serial, Matthew oh. McConaughey, and uh, a dozen roses to mean something else, then we should know your plays. I'm a Badger fan. We're just trying to figure out how to recruit. We made in the top 25 for the second time in the last like 15 years. So, you know, we're, we're working. Uh, everybody's going to have their day one day. As long as it's not Ohio State, I'm happy. But I got a feeling this year is going to be a different year for Ohio State. It's looking like them or Oregon. But, man, those two uh, tough road games at Oregon, at Penn State, that's tough. That's tough. Here's a question for you guys. Who's the, who has a bigger hot seat, Ryan Day or Franklin? Franklin, man. He should be Franklin. It's probably Ryan like Day. Franklin's safe. It's probably Ryan Day, but it should be Franklin in my opinion. Yeah, I think Franklin should have been gone – this year. Oh, I agree. It, it it really feels like Penn State's just like they're content with the third best in the SE in the Big Ten East. Yeah, but now you're gonna you could possibly be fourth or fifth <laughs> yeah. now. Exactly. Right. This makes this year makes a big deal. All right, Mike, for all the Buckeye fans out there, can you give them a little hell to the victor? Claim that yeah. national t- title, <laughs> and then we'll hit some comments to get you out of here, man. Number one team in the country, baby. Hail to the victors, valiant. Hail to the conquering heroes. Hail, hail to Michigan, the champions of the West. Go blue. Fuck the whole state of Ohio. All right, appreciate it, Mike. We're going to hit some comments, man. We got some on here. You can say, just in case there's some for you, after 11 years, they are bringing back college football video. Praise. It's been a long time. Man, I don't know if I'm ready to play video games anymore. I think, I think those I'm days are old. done. I think yeah. I'm too old for that. Yeah, same, man. Uh, Dominic, can we show some love to Caitlin Clark for Iowa for setting the women's scoring mark in basketball? We, we've been giving her love we all should. season, man. She is superhuman. She is kind of the Michael Jordan of, of women's college basketball right now. Uh, she yep. seems to be an unstoppable force. Uh, I mean, she's been at it for a long time. This isn't just some new season. She's selling out stadiums everywhere she goes. Everybody's setting records every time she comes to town, like, they got her on mm. national national TV times. Games where you used to see the men playing, now it's her. Yeah, I mean, she, like, I she's great. I think they've outsold every men's college basketball game, but like six or seven this year, which is unheard of. Like, you would never hear about that in women's college basketball. I mean, she is for doing sure. everything and so much for women's uh, college basketball, probably women's sports in general. It's a shame that her final season's coming to an end, but we're all taking it in. If you can't tell it, Big Ten fans everywhere just fill in basketball stadiums to see – this She's legend. fun to watch. She's fun. Yeah. To Caitlin watch. Clark doesn't need the love. She's making her own love. <laughs> <laughs> She's definitely going to get paid next year. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And yeah. then he selling uh, out those stadiums. Roman did stand out in a mobile. He was at the Senior Bowl, so he just wanted to say that that man was looking good live. Oh, he looked from what I everything I read in the videos I watched. Like he went from what a fourth or a fifth round. They're saying now he could be a second. Mm-hmm. So he had, he had a good week there. Yeah. And JJ's and what, all the way up to projected 13th? 
overall? JJ's a hard pick for me. I love JJ. Listen, he brought us a national champion, but I don't know if he's an NFL quarterback. I think there's just not enough. Uh, I just think it was their, their offense, their scheme. Yeah, like he, more scheme, not talent. I think whenever he gets a chance to uh, do the NFL combine, I think uh, people are already starting to see it that he's gonna he's gonna tear up the combine. He throws some good balls. I mean, he's splitting defenders when he wants to. He just it, he didn't need to do that. All right, let's uh, thank you, Mike. Man, one more no time, problem. college football dogs. <laughs> he's a writer for them, part of the media network. Go out to collegefootballdogs.com. Check out his, his his stories, man. He doesn't just write about Michigan. It's mostly about Michigan, but he's got some good articles coming out about Ohio State. Check our man Mike out, man. Appreciate you. Thanks for coming on. Gentlemen, thank you. I love the show. I love watching it every week. Every week. And uh, just keep up the go- good work and go blue, baby. Appreciate it. Appreciate man. it. Thanks for coming. On Wisconsin. No, thanks. Thanks for having We're going to get you back this year. Go Bucks. <laughs> like I said, fuck the whole state of Ohio. It's time to turn it around, brother. <laughs> it's gonna you, have to happen this year have a great night guys love right, the show. you too all right we're gonna appreciate pay some you. uh we're gonna pay some light bills man uh it's expensive you know gas ain't getting no cheaper so we gotta get a commercial going uh and then we'll bring vegas mad in man he's gonna talk about 2024 and he's got some oh is he already in the house he's in the house man damn we're going long Seasoning, food's favorite flavor. Yum, yum, get you some. I'm Joe Burrito, your favorite burrito. Whoa, whoa. Joe, hey. we all know you're the best. What? You can always do better. Try the new Dano's Hot Chipotle. Hey. Ooh, that's spicy. Yum, yum. Yum, yum, get you some. The legend himself, Vegas. Oh, he makes it back, man. He took a long time to recover from his hangover, but he is back. To talk about over and unders for the Big Ten teams in 2024. What do you got for us, Matt? First off, I haven't seen you on six weeks. I get on the show and I have to follow that garbage before me. <laughs> Come on. Does somebody need to tell Michigan you're not going to be relevant again for another decade? Like you, you got yours. Congrats. Now goes be middle of the Big Ten. Let's go. So what you been up to, man? You've been out for six weeks. You're starting to get back into the betting scene for college football for next season. You're going to give us a little a little tease, a little sneak peek. Yeah, I had to recuperate. Uh, it's a long, long college football season. But what's nice about this time of year is final recruiting class. You know, the first Wednesday in February, everything's settled. you got your transfer portal more or less settled as well. Coaching staffs. 90, 98% really settled for the most part. You'll see a little move here or there, but pretty much everyone's been hired, most coordinators. So this time means that we are getting odds. And not only do we have over-unders on all 18 Big Ten teams, which some interesting numbers, we've also got the first real release of national title odds. And I got a list of top 27 Heisman hopefuls. Oh, Oh, we got. We're gonna bring that next week. We we're gonna dive deep in that. Week. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Yes, we can. But um, you know, just kind of a sneak peek with the over unders this year. If you if you go back to previous years, you two have talked about it quite a bit. You may see one, two, maybe three big games on a person's schedule in a year. Those days are gone. 
and now you're seeing four or five legitimate games with Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, Oregon. So these over-unders, you're actually seeing lower this year than what you typically saw in the past. So a very interesting trend with the first round of numbers. And it's interesting because now we have the 12-team playoff too. So yeah. it's easier to make it, but all these teams are playing harder schedules, so they're going to have some losses. It's going to be interesting to see how that stacks up when they start ranking them. Much oh, different, you know. In the past, you had Ohio State at 10.5 wins or maybe 11 because they, they could only lose one. They couldn't lose two. And now you lose two games and you might host a, a first-round game. Yeah, it's like almost a bonus, man. You get that first-round playoff game. Absolutely. So what, what's, uh, what's, your, what's your caution to some of these early betting lines as far as over and unders, Heisman, championships, whatever? What, what's your uh, what's your caution to it? Uh, I wouldn't touch anything personally until after spring games have settled. Right now, you, you might have a special depth chart leak somewhere from God knows who. You really don't have a lot of credibility behind it. I'm sure Ryan Day, I'm sure Dan Landing, they, they don't have depth charts yet. They don't really know what it's going to look like. So let your spring games play out. Let's see, okay, how that depth chart's going to form, where some of these transfers are coming in. Uh, usually don't see a ton of injuries. Obviously, you can't touch the quarterback. But, you know, you had Devin Brown couldn't play in the spring game last year. It kind of played a factor in Ohio State's decision-making. So you just never know with injuries. So first and foremost – don't touch these until late April. Let let the spring game settle. And you know what I really like to do after the spring game is see, are you seeing any early action on these lines? You're seeing that first real taste of college football really until you get to late August. So what you want to look at is kind of cement these lines in stone right now and then reevaluate after the spring game where you actually have a depth chart, you have an understanding, and see if you're seeing any lines move. Is there one line you just can't wait to touch? You got to talk about today. Anything that sticks out to you? I got like, one. Yo. I got one. Yeah. Uh, I. It doesn't have. It doesn't have to be Big Ten related. Something yeah, that jumped out I, at I, you. I'll, I'll be honest with you. Uh, and, and this is again, everyone knows with betting. If you listen to me last year, I'm completely unbiased with betting. If I think Michigan can get me a win. I'm going to bet on Michigan. I have no problem with that whatsoever. I'll bet against Ohio State every damn day. Um, it's a, it's just business. It's not personal. But I say that in mind where I look at that Michigan line at nine and a half, and I have to be like, okay, if you really dig into that schedule, you, you two have talked about it. You open mm -hmm. against Fresno State. Laugh all you want. Fresno State has put together some pretty competent teams in the past, so that's not a cupcake. Then you have Texas. USC, you're coming out to Seattle to play Washington. I know it's not the same Husky team. It's still not fun to play in Seattle. Trust me, I've seen it for years. You got Oregon and at Ohio State. You're telling me there's not three losses in there with a team that's sending a bunch of people to the draft? And this is not a knock against Michigan. They could go 9-3, and three, have a very respectable season. But if we're talking sheer over-under, I look at that and I say I, I'd hit the under really hard there. Um just kind of look at some other ones. You know, I, I see right off the bat, I see Wisconsin six and a half. I'd really like to dig in that schedule a little bit more, but I, I really believe in Luke Fickle. Um, and, and you know, what? It, what's really going to be interesting to break down is we're so ingrained here in the Big Ten of thinking Big Ten East, Big Ten West. You're that, yeah. that Maryland or that Rutgers. Okay, you've got three giants you've got to play every year. There's three losses right there. And if you're 
you know, Minnesota, Wisconsin, you got a bunch of cupcakes and maybe Iowa's halfway decent that year. Well, that's gone. So, you know, the thing that I'm going to look at is really the Big Ten West. What does this new schedule look like for them? And another thing, too, is I, I don't think very much of UCLA or USC, I'll be honest with you up front. I'm still interested to see how these teams travel out West. I think it's going to be a challenge. My my game, if you put a gun to my head right now and I had to pick one bet, it's Rutgers, man. Rutgers is at five and a half. They avoid Oregon, Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State. They have the best schedule out of anybody in the Big Ten. They avoid the Big Four. I think most of their games are manageable. I think even USC can be manageable for them. I think five and a half for Rutgers is, is money. I, I think it's a good bet. And you got Washington at home, right? So mm-hmm. that's one of the farthest trips you got in the Big Ten is Washington going cross country. You got Wisconsin at home, Nebraska with that freshman quarterback, who knows? And you got UCLA coming yeah. out and you got USC. You're going to USC, but I, I, I'll i be honest with you. I, I think absolutely nothing of USC. They they went seven and five last year with the first overall pick in the draft. So what, what are you going to do now on your third string quarterback? Who knows? Um, and they start off with Howard Akron in Virginia Tech. Absolutely. I, those, I think those could, they could very easily be 3-0. and Absolutely. Yeah, every, I think almost every game on their schedule is manageable. I'm not saying they're going to win every game, but every game is manageable. Every game is winnable. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good pick. I was thinking Michigan State at 5.5. I was like wondering how they were going to get there. Yeah, the thing is, sneaky schedule there. If you actually look in the heart of their schedule, they go – at, or they go home against Ohio State, at Oregon, home against Iowa, at the big house. And that's Ooh. a four-game stretch. And, so, and you did see this last year with Rutgers and a few other teams. You hit that tough patch, and you don't recover. And I look at that yeah. at Michigan State, and I, and I believe in Jonathan Smith. He built a great por- pro- program at Oregon State. But I see this being a young team, and I see them getting their clocks cleaned in that four-game stretch, and you just don't know if they're going to recover beyond that. Yeah. Even Mike agrees with you. Mike says under all day for Michigan at nine and a half. Yeah. And I mean, again, to replace years in your entire staff. Like, man, what two coaches stayed like and 44 seniors. Like, man, that's, that's just, I don't, and I don't it's know. A schedule. Do that. I mean, you got a non-conference yeah. against Texas. You got Fresno yeah, exactly. state, you know, it's, it's a tough schedule. Yeah. I mean, I, I think Michigan has what it takes though. They've built what they, you know, that culture and they still, they're going to replace their offensive line that they lost because they do every year. And they, they just have the culture of being a team, uh, a workman style, uh, football team. So I, I think they'll still get it done. I think they're really going to be affected year two and three post Harbaugh and all those coaches leaving. So a lot of people are going to think about all their losses and, and they did lose a lot of people, but this was a defensive team. And a lot of that, a lot of key pieces of that defense is back. coming back. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think they're going to fall off a cliff. I want to be very clear about that. They're going to, they're going to be very competitive this year. I'm looking at the straight schedule, whole new team. You're replacing, you know, I think Orgy's going to be a pretty good kid. I mean, the kid looks athletic as can be, so interesting to see what he can bring to the table. But I just think that there are three losses in there. And, and nine and three is a very good season no, I for all teams. I agree. Yeah. Um, and the other one, you, you asked me for the sneaky pick. I would be going pretty heavy on the under on USC, and this is one I'm really interested to see how their spring game looks, see what their quarterback situation is like. 
But if you look at that schedule, opening at LS, uh, opening against LSU at Michigan, playing Wisconsin, playing Penn State, you got Washington, you got Notre Dame to finish up your season. That's a brutal schedule. For I agree, but I will say Miller Moss looks like he's about the. It's Miller time. He's about the Moss. Everyone that that bowl game, he was lighting it up, man. Well, yeah. we were trying to make this a teaser, but we just jumped right in, man. I don't know if we'll have an episode. Oh, we'll next have week to. We, didn't cover all <laughs> we just did a little, little yeah. sneak peek, but but that, uh, that was more than a sneak peek, man. We got we got you some extras there. No, we'll um, we'll break down. You know, there's lots of teams, and again, you you saw this last year. There's lots of those in the middle type teams where you're getting mm-hmm. that five and a half, six and a half. And you can really start dissecting it. And I think this is where the show is going to add tremendous value is understanding mm. what Illinois is going to look like. Northwestern, Minnesota, because those are those swing games that keeps you either seven and five or six and six. And at six and a half over and under that one game matters. And it's going to come against a mediocre Big Ten team. So mm. uh, really think we can dive in on the insight there. Just uh, just real fast since we'll get a sneak peek. We got uh we got four people tied at the top for Heisman odds for favorites. You you all want to guess? I, it's got to start with Quid Ewers for me. I think he's one of them for sure. He is one. Yep. Hey, what you got? Uh, they're all quarterback. Not a surprise. They're all quarterback. Well, they're you got to go with our man in Georgia. He's definitely up there on the list. Beck, yes. Back Carson Beck. Yeah. yeah. Um, one Big Ten the other, And one not. Man, Drew Aller? Think new Big Ten, bro. Oh, oh Gabriel. Yeah, Dylan Gabriel, yeah. He's the third, and then the fourth. Uh, fourth, I'm going to go with Milrow. Yep, fourth is Milrow. So there's your top, Milrow. and then it kind of separates a little bit. Um, you know, honestly, you only see six. Big 10 players in the top 27. I thought that was a little interesting. So we can kind of break down some favorites there next week as well. And then national title odds, I think I think you can really look for some value here. Um, again, more to come. That's going to be tough, man. That's going to be a tough one. Yeah. Just because the 12-team playoff is going to throw a lot of wrenches in the normal system that you ain't used to. It's always going to be the big dogs at top. To me, it's depth, man. Depth is going to play a massive, massive role now. It I is. Think depth is going to be huge. Uh, That's why the big dogs will have the advantage, too. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, I think it's going to be hard for small teams to kind of make a, a, a late lunge. They might have a Cinderella win, but I don't know if they can make it all the way all the way to the show. Uh, but, yeah, man, still I don't get know their, all you got their or, chance. Are we ready to hit a commercial break? I appreciate you coming on here, man. We'll get we'll get you out of here kind of quick so you're not, you know, taking up all your night. No worries. I appreciate it. Back to Vegas, huh? Uh no, I I I do take a hiatus during football season, although I will say uh next month is looming, you know, March Madness. So you got got that R and R in before March Madness, man. That is the party of all parties. College football is fun, but there is nothing like March Madness in Las Vegas. It is the most wonderful time of the year. (laughs) We'll we'll, we'll, we'll be catching up with you then for sure, man. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You got a month break, man. Vegas, Matt, man. Thanks for coming back. It's good to see your face. It's been too long. Six weeks. I was missing you, man. I was missing you all as well. Matt's ready to do Vegas again. (laughs) We'll see. We're gearing up. 
All right, let's get a little uh, commercial going. We'll get Vegas Matt out of here. Thanks again, man, for coming on the show. And then, yeah, we'll see you next week. Sounds good. Take care, y'all. Later on. We'll see you. Sound the alarms. Something monstrously merry is coming to town. Introducing Bones Coffee's newest batch. Inspired by the giddy ghouls of Disney Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas. Nice work, Bones Caddy. Rich premium coffee infused with frighteningly festive flavors. The Pumpkin King, Santa Jack, Frog's Breath, Rough Weather, and Mudslide Boogie. Can't make decisions by yourself? Order them all. Bones also makes a perfectly marvelous gift for everyone on your nice list. And your naughty list. <laughs> Click the link to get these hauntingly holly jolly flavors delivered right to your door. And it's not just for holidays. Bones has coffee concoctions for all 365 days of the year. Bones Coffee and Disney Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas. It's terrifyingly tasty. This year, Bones Coffee will be yours! Boy, we need to get with Bones and get an updated commercial, man. It's way past We've been saying that. Like, I, didn't even get the, I, got, I haven't got the Christmas lights down, though. It's been kind of cold and snowy here in Wisconsin. I was just about to say, even the people that are late got their Christmas decorations. But they're down. unplugged. They're, they're on the house. But they're <laughs> unplugged. They're not on. I just want to make sure. The tree's down. I just want to clear that up. But the lights are still on the house. That's a little slick up there on the roof. I'm not trying to you know, take a take a Christmas vacation plunge off the roof. Come on, man. Come uh, on, man. Man, we're running late, so we got to get through this, man. Let's move on to the our uh, Indiana. We're going to talk about their season review. We're going to talk about what sent Tom Allen packing and out to College Station on the heels, man, of the two wor- two year worst two year stretch. Lord be with me from two thousand three to two thousand five. Tom Allen needed a magical season. He needed it, but he didn't get it. He didn't get his magical season, man. They looked promising early. First half mm-hmm. against Ohio State, it was a 10-3 game, and then things just fell apart from there. They had an overtime game. They needed a win against Akron, of all people. Uh, this season went downhill real quick, man. They had five games. Five games they lost by double digits this season. And like I said, an overtime win to beat Akron, man. They, they also got beat – Late by three points against Illinois. Uh, and then they had a lead against Michigan State, but then they ended up losing by four. If they could have maybe Tom pulled it together down the stretch, maybe he'd still be there. But either way, he's in Happy Valley. That's over with. The one true highlight, unfortunately for me as a Badger fan, was their one Big Ten win was against freaking Wisconsin, of course. Uh, so I got to eat that burger for the rest of the offseason, which isn't fun but that was their one highlight man they beat wisconsin 20 to 14 uh even though they did get outscored in the second half how the hell did your badgers lose that man how did that happen i don't know man this is a team that went it was a three and nine season the only other teams they beat on the season indiana state and akron in overtime and they pulled off the upset against your badgers Wisconsin struggled, man, in the middle of the, the stretch. But we're going to save that for the Wisconsin review. You know, you know what? I don't want to talk about it. Uh, but Indiana. Oh yes, you do. Indiana, man, they were outscored twenty-one of twenty-three games in the second half under Tom Allen's tenure, man. Even though he's seen some of the most prolific Indiana times during the COVID season when it was under Tom Allen, there was some really, really bad times, and that's what caused him to lose this job. 
Um, there was another yeah. highlight to the season that you didn't mention. What's that? It happened in the off season. They got a new coach. <laughs> the biggest win for the Indiana Hoosiers this year was Signetti, man. Hiring him, Kurt Signetti, he's the real deal. Hired him from JMU. He took JMU from nothing. Literally born overnight with him at the helm. They moved up a division. They were FCS, now they're FBS. And they dominated 11 and 1. He brought his entire staff with him to Indiana. And so he's got the offensive coordinator, Mike Shanahan, defensive coordinator, Bryant Haynes, and quarterback coach, Tino Sinceri. So I'm about to put the brakes on you, man. This is a season review. You're talking about a season preview. And let me get oh, back no, to no, no, the that's, review. They, that's part of the season. Was their best quarterback with only 1,500 passing yards. And not only that, they didn't have a running back over 400 yards on the season. This team was bad. Maybe Signetti can fix it. We're going to talk about that in the future. I want to talk about the train wreck that was, the train wreck that somehow beat Wisconsin. Uh, but besides that, <laughs> wow. The last three years, man, Tom Allen had this team in shambles. Uh, but like you said, head coach Signetti's in town now, and, and maybe he can turn it around. But, man, you, you got to talk about the underperformance of that offense. No love left in LEO, man. Yeah, it's just each other now. Left, it's just each other. There ain't no love left. What's up, James? What's up, Fender? Oh man, he's back with no comment. Back with no comments, man. He's speechless. <laughs> We're leaving him. Thanks for coming, up, brother. Man. You got anything no, I mean, out on Indiana, man? No, there's nothing left to add. It was just a terrible season. I mean, it started off great, like you said, against Ohio State. We were there for that action. They had fans in the stands cheering like crazy. Even though they might not have known a single person that was playing on the team, they were there supporting the people that they don't know. And uh, they were loud. I mean, they were drunk. They were ready to go. There was good atmosphere. Walking through campus was awesome. A lot of people tailgating uh, that you know, that was our first weekend going out on the road and hitting up Big Ten environments, and it was awesome. You're right. Your best time. highlight was us dressed as Donkey of Shrek dancing with the uh, the dance team. That was the best. With highlight. the cheerleaders. Yeah, that was yeah. awesome. On, was the, on the highlight. field, after the game, it was pretty sweet. Yeah. That was that was a good highlight. That was a good highlight. We should we should have had that highlight on the show. We'll, we'll get it for you guys next time. Uh, but anyways, it's let's move awesome. on to the coaching carousel, man. They, well, we got one for Michigan State. So when we do the Michigan State review, yeah, we we'll pull you. that up. Uh, but anyways, man, this coaching carousel just keeps going round and round and round and round, man. It just doesn't seem to stop. And Bill O'Brien was on it for about three weeks and decided he would leave Ohio State and head to Boston College. I mean, his contributions to Ohio State is legendary. I mean, this guy did so much in three weeks. Uh, I mean, like, wow. Like, he's going to be remembered. His ink forever. on his contract was still wet. <laughs> but still I'll just decide, man. I know this guy moved on in three weeks, but he did. Just saying. Help get Julian saying to the Buckeyes uh, before he moved on. So maybe, just maybe, his impact on Ohio State will be legendary. Greater than we all think. <laughs> hey, man, he's had no losses to Michigan, so he goes out never losing to Michigan. That reminds me when I was Not a kid, too many Ohio State coaches can say that other than Urban Meyer. That reminds me when I was a kid and a Browns fan, the years they disappeared were the best years I've ever seen them play football. <laughs> All right, not to be outdone, though. And I don't know what the hell is going on in Columbus. I don't know where they're finding this money. I don't know what drugs they're on, but they might want to share because you lose a good coach 
offensive coordinator wise and Bill O'Brien, and you go out and hire Chip Kelly, the head coach of UCLA. Like, what is happening in Columbus, man? I mean, I know there was some bad blood between him and the school. I know they have spending those dollar dollar bills. I know there's some money issues going on at UCLA. I know he wasn't happy with the NIL situation. I know he was more, he wants to be more of an X and O's coach, but man, like Ohio state goes out and hires chip Kelly, who's already a head coach at UCLA. We're not talking like Western Kentucky. I'm talking UCLA. Mm-hmm. Wow, man. That, that is, yeah. Amazing. when does that happen? I think he was just tired of all the bullshit and He's, I mean, he was used to his time in Oregon where they're throwing money around, where they're able to get recruits, where you're able to build. He was just handcuffed at UCLA. I mean, USC comes in and they're like, yeah, we'll spend the money. We'll take your defensive coordinator. Yeah, uh, your all-world recruit. Yeah, Oregon will take him. We'll spend the money. And they won't. So he was like, man, there's nothing I can do. I can't recruit my own players. I can't recruit new players. I'm done with this bullshit. I just want to teach football. And I'll, I'll recruit, but I just want to teach football. That's what I want to do. So that's why he first looked at the NFL. And then this opening happened with friends of his, like the offensive line coach, Fry, was his offensive line coach. He coached Ryan Day in New Hampshire. So, it, you know, the, he knows all the guys. He knows what he's getting into. And he's like, yeah, this will be a breath of fresh air. Let's go. Question for you. Is he a chip off of Ryan Day's block or is Ryan Day a chip off of Chip's block? There's some blocks chipping, and I don't know which order they're in. All right, so Ohio State hires Chip Kelly. He wants out. UCLA, now they got a hold of Phil. They go out and hire their man, Deshaun Foster, who played and coached for UCLA. Outside of being a former player, I really don't get this hire. I don't understand. I'm sure he's a great man. I'm sure he has a propensity to be a great coach, but the guy has no experience. He's super unproven. A running back really coach promoted. Luck, so I'm not trying to talk trash about him, but just saying like his resume isn't there. Uh, he's done great as a running backs coach. He's had four pe- four running backs get drafted, but he's only been a running backs coach. He's only coached a room. He's never coached, you know, as a coordinator. He's never led an offense. He's never led a defense. He's only been coaching a room. And there's a massive, massive step from a room to a head coach. I mean, he only has seven years of coaching experience in college football alone like this i don't know what ucla is thinking i don't know if they just wanted to get a ucla guy i don't know if they wanted to get you know somebody they believed in maybe they know him better than i do so maybe i should just shut up that is what it is but hopefully he can put a good staff together he's going to need an experienced staff he's going to need that old time offensive coordinator defensive coordinator that can help run at least half of this team so he can focus on being a coach that's that's the only thing I think. I, you give him credit for his NFL experience, right? He's been there. He's been at the top of the game, you know, the best of the best in the NFL. But I still think, you know, you look at people like James Laurinaitis that comes back to Ohio State. He starts at the bottom working his way up. Brian Hartline, same thing. This is a big risk for UCLA, and I don't know their motivation behind it either. What it seems to me is like, all right, this is a cheap hire. We can start to build money. We can work on our NIL. And maybe he has like that vibe to him where he can gather attention. He can gather the people that need to make the money, gather the investments and get things going. Motivational type of guy, hopefully. But he's going to need some damn good coordinators. Like you said, he's got to have people calling the plays. He's got to have people preparing for the game, you know, making that game plan. Someone watching film constantly because these... 
there's no way that he's going to be able to call a defense, you know, call an offense and be the head coach. Those days are gone. I mean, you have to be able to recruit your players. You have to be able to recruit new players and you have to be able to bring people in through the transfer portal. And not only that university right now, NIL is a mess. Uh, They don't have money. Athletic department is a mess money wise. That's part of the reason why they wanted to jump to the big 10. Like he's got a lot going on with no experience. Maybe he's the man, maybe he can get it done. Uh, But I don't think he's in a great situation. And I don't think he's uh, the most experienced coach to be handling. Not a great situation. Just think of this, the risky hires that we've seen in the past, the Lincoln Riley's taken over when a, coach has gone out the ryan days taken over when a coach has gone out the sharon moores you've gone down a step further with this hire this is a position coach taking over as a head coach without even any coordinating experience i mean i don't want to say he's going to fail because i don't know it but it seems like there's a damn good chance the odds are higher than any other coach that's Mm -hmm. been hired at least definitely getting a little grizzly and brewing country that's for damn sure Got it. Yeah. Yeah. That was a good joke. <laughs> no one laughed. You got that dad mustache joke going, huh? I, like it. I was about to say that, actually. It's like a Fitcher mustache. <laughs> well, man, let's talk about another head coach. We got another young head coach gets his first head coaching job. Rutgers loses associate head coach and tight end coach Andrew Arich. Uh, he was hired to coach for Harvard. Now you're going to think they're the similar age. They're going to have similar experience, but you'd be wrong. This man graduated in 2006 and hit the coaching trail as soon as he did. So he's been coaching in college football in a room since 2006. He's been an offensive coordinator. He's been an offensive line coach. He's been a running backs coach. He's kind of done everything on the offensive side of the ball. So this isn't a similar hire. It might look at it. If you look at it from age, you're probably not going to know either one of these guys, unless you're a really troop in uh, deep in their fan and, and know about these programs. Uh, yeah, man, you'd have to, you'd have to know some, uh, some real football. I mean, if you're paying attention to Ivy league, the Princeton's of the world, this is where mm-hmm. this guy cut his teeth at Princeton, turned yeah, Princeton he, around as a player. Yeah. And coach. And eight there, to seven and coordinator, so, yeah. But yeah, man, like it's, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm happy for him. Wish him the best of luck too. uh, Tim Murphy, their legendary coach just retired. And he said he is preparing. I've been preparing for this moment my entire professional life. I cannot wait to lead these young men, not only on the football field, but in life. And he's going to have to. I mean, these are Ivy League kids. I mean, they're the best of the bunch as far as the brains are concerned. And Rutgers was not far behind that either. We got a comment says, I like how the teams spaced out on the graphics. That should be East and West divisions. It would kind of work out that way. In a way. It is close. There's no divisions, but yes, that would be if there was. I don't know. I don't know. But anyways, man, you got anything Almost. to add on uh, this hire? I, you know, no. I mean, it's just polar opposite to the last one we talked about. Experience versus non-experience. Um, going straight into the coaching ranks versus having that NFL experience. It'll be interesting to see, you know, how the two do and how long they last. Yeah. I mean, he obviously knows football. So we go back to uh, Deshaun Foster. Like he knows football. He's been around football. He's been in football his entire life, but there's a different aspect of playing it and coaching it. Like you can be really good at something, but can you teach somebody to do something? And and there's an art to that. 
and it comes with, I think, time and experience, like most things. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where the difference is. Obviously, he knows what he's talking about. He knows what to do. He knows how to do it. But can you teach somebody else all those things? And some people can jump into it. Some people can bypass that. We'll see if he's one of those select few. Yeah, hopefully so for uh, UCLA's sake and his sake too. It's it's going to be important. A highly motivated uh, individual who's who's ready to take the helm. So hopefully he can he can do it. Yeah, they can quickly turn into the the Indianas of the world joining the Big Ten. I mean, they were there before Chip Kelly got there. He turned them around. Yeah, I mean, Chip Kelly, he was on thin ice anyways. They almost fired him this year. I think he found his exit and was like, I'm out, out, man. Good luck, good luck, Deshaun. But anyways, man, I think that does it for the show. I only got one quickie to add in. Uh, If you haven't seen, Tennessee and Virginia are going to file a lawsuit against the NCAA on them enforcing – NIL standards in college football. I think that there's a lot of uh, big weight that could go into that. I think that could be an interesting thing. I don't know if you got anything to add, Beef. Yeah, I mean, I think the judges are going to rule that the NCAA is allowed to enforce it. It it seemed like it it was heading in that direction, but we'll see. I mean, I don't think you want the courts deciding all this. I think that's why the the Big Ten and the SEC kind of joined together so that they can get ahead of some of these court battles get some rules and regulations down, you know, um, for college football in general. Right on. Well, man, that does it for our show. Beef, get us on out of here, man. Great show. Hey, man, we went over. We did. About we nine minutes, almost 10 minutes of extra time free for y'all. So thanks for joining us. Get on here again. We're going to go through all the Big Ten, going through season reviews. So if you're a fan of any of the teams, Catch us. We'll be posting it. All right. Big Ten backers are out. We love you. God bless. Follow, subscribe, share our show. Thank you all. Have a good evening. Thank you all, man. Appreciate it. See you next time. On the College Football Dogs website, you'll find a main page that features some of our biggest and newest stories. Our conference pages for content related to your favorite team's conference. Our team store, where we have products that are available all year long, as well as gear available for a limited time only. Our podcast page, where you can see when one of the 12-plus College Football Dogs podcasts is streaming live on social media. Our subscription page, where you can join our Discord. If you're interested in becoming a contributor at College Football Dogs, email us at info at collegefootballdogs.com. If you enjoy any College Football Dogs content, we really do appreciate